I'm excited as hell to be a Dallas Cowboy. Who was the toughest guy to tackle? Ezekiel Elliott. Feed Elliott. What's up, Cowboy Nation? Let's get it! Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Back Row Cowboy Show, a proud part of the Back Row Sports Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Back Row Cowboy Show. It's your host, Adam, and across from me, as always, my co-host, Seth. What's up, guys? And on today's episode, we'll be reviewing week one, previewing week two, and also some news and notes. Seth, more bad than good on the news and notes. Why don't we start there? Uh, well, I'll start off with the good news. The good news is we get Zach Martin back. Awesome news. Um, then that's followed by bad. Quite a bit. Yeah. I'm going to start with uh, Lil Collins. Uh, he had the five-game suspension for failure to show up for drug tests, I guess, multiple times. Um, I never did find out exactly how many times, but apparently it's been multiple times he was he failed to show up. So right now he's working on an appeal for it, but as of right now it's a five game five game suspension. Um, Donovan Wilson he did not practice today. Uh, uh, a groin issue, and bad news. With Randy Gregory. Randy Gregory is on the COVID list, and he's looking not to play this week. And even more bad news, we just found out right before we started that DeMarcus Ware, DeMarcus Ware, DeMarcus Lawrence, um, has a fractured foot. He fractured his foot in practice today, and he's looking at most of the season, if not all the season, out. So, you know, obviously that's more bad news when we already lost Randy Gregory. Um, the pass rush is going to be lackluster this week. Uh, is that all the bad news? Michael Gallup. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Yep, Michael Gallup. He's going to be out three to five weeks with a high ankle sprain. He suffered against Tampa Bay. Um, I'm I'm done with the bad news. Uh, I, it's It's been a rough week. It, 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 it's starting – the same way it did last year. Uh, as promising as things looked week one, and we'll get into that in a little while, we knew Gallup was hurt. He got hurt in the game. The report was he was going to miss some weeks pretty early, um, pretty early, pretty late in the last week, early this week. But the news is already compounding. Lyle Collins, Randy Gregory, and then Demarcus Lawrence today. You yeah. and I were talking about the show last night and kind of the direction we were going to go. And I said, "Well, we'll we'll go over the news of getting Zach Martin back, and then we'll head to some of the bad news." And then it feels like 
it just kept compounding. In fact, we we waited a little bit later to record tonight. We've just kind of been chatting at the house the last 15 minutes. And from when we started, we knew that he had injured his foot in practice. Before we went on the air, like five minutes before we went on the air, we find out that he fractured his foot. And you're looking at a stint on the injured reserve list, either the long-term injured reserve list or even worse all year. And it's just, like you said, it's starting out – it's got some 2020 vibes the start of the season, but next man up. I think our defensive line is better fortified this year than it was this time last year. Yeah, I agree with that. Armstrong has looked really good, and they showed a replay of one of his plays last week. He comes off the blind side. And I don't know how he swiped Brady's arm as hard as he did, and Brady didn't fumble. I mean, he—I mean, he made his arm move. Yeah, and full most contact. of the time, most of the time when that happens, the quarterback loses the ball. Yeah. All so right. that's just—I mean, it's an impressive play by Brady because he was able to get the ball out, no, no fumble, no anything. Brady's used to the old tuck rule, so you know, whatever. But Armstrong showed some promise. And then you'll get a chance to look at uh, Terrell Basham. That's a player that we signed in for agency. It's a player that I was excited about. He showed some pass rush ability with the Jets. You were hoping he was going to be more of a rotational player and and get some snaps that way. Now he's going to get a full workload. And then the two pass rushers behind them or the two defensive ends behind them. You're looking at Bradley and I and Seth's favorite draft pick from this year, Chauncey Golston. Yeah. So I know you're pretty excited to see him on the field. So why don't I, let, let's go and talk about this defensive line and and what your thought process is and how excited you are to see Chauncey Golston play about 20 snaps on Sunday. Well, everybody, I mean anybody that's been listening to the podcast knows how I feel about Golston, but uh, Golston. But this is the opportunity that I wanted for him to show me something. But I also didn't want one of our starters to go down for the opportunity. So, you know, going against Justin Herbert and, you know, their offense, they have a a great offense. You're gonna have to get pressure, or as way thing as the way things are looking right now, we're probably looking at another shootout. Just because I, I don't trust the pass rush right now. Uh, I don't think we have enough firepower to. Now I can see Dorrance Armstrong, you know, getting the pressure here and there, or I can even see Basham getting the pressure in there. But we're not gonna have enough consistent pressure to throw Herbert off his game. We were one of two teams last week to not record a sack. I know. yeah, And obviously not enough to really make a difference in the game. I mean, especially the last drive of the game, it was – there was no pass rush. I mean, he ran – I mean, he threw for almost 400 yards pretty easily, uh, and that's a result of no pass rush. So – it's 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 going against another quarterback that can 
throw the ball, it's it's looking like another shootout. Well, definitely. going against another team with a really good receiving core, yeah. you go from Evans, Godwin, Brown, Gronk, you know, and that was a great call by you. You said Gronk would be a factor, and, and I kind of played it off due to the receivers. Gronk had two touchdowns and like ninety six, yards. N- ninety yards. I mean, that's that's vintage Gronk. That's five six five six seven years ago Gronk. Yeah, and he picked a really bad time to to regain that form. <laughs> um, but you know, that's something you talked about last week. Is that that was going to be a big matchup, and it was. And you're walking into a similar situation next week with Keenan Allen. Big Mike Williams had a huge week against the Washington Redskins. I think Josh Palmer is an, a really interesting prospect. He went from he kind of came he kind of came out of nowhere. It's a downgrade from what we had last week, but it's still like you said a very good. I mean, you could probably put Keenan Allen up there with, with the best two, and I, I think Mike Williams has already had one thousand yard season. He's also had one ten touchdown season. He's had some injuries, and he hasn't been able to put all of it together. Yeah. But this is kind of a make-or-break year for him. They declined his fifth-year option. He's playing for that next contract. And, and when you're playing for that next contract, you you tend to go a little bit harder in the paint. Yeah. You're you're extra hungry. Yeah, you're looking for that big payday. So, yeah, usually that that contract year is big. And, and Jerry Cook's still a, a good tight end. He, I mean, he's not Gronk, but he's put together some really solid seasons down with Drew Brees. In um in New Orleans, he also had a nice he also had a nice season with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, against us in Green. Yeah, mm-hmm. the catch, the catch. Yeah. I know, I know. Um, the catch against the Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs it was pretty depressing. But uh, so there there's no is it is it a, is it a downgrade probably. But the but the running game is probably an upgrade. I'm oh, taking yeah. Yeah. I'm taking Austin Eckler over every running back in Tampa Bay. Yeah, I agree there. And he's a he's a much better pass catcher than I, I know we talked about Giovanni Bernard and Leonard Fournette and how they do most of the they do most of the passing work and, and the pass catching work. Austin Eckler is he's so much better than them at that aspect. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. So, even where you, you get a little downtick in the wide receivers, you gain it back in the running backs. And this is also an offensive line. They made a lot of moves in the offseason, and they brought in some new players, and they're trying to protect their young franchise quarterback. And that's the NFL. They're all professional teams. You know, all the teams. There's going to be strengths with every team. And – we're going to have to find a way to get home. I don't know if it's to get more creative with the blitzes. With with Amika Parsons, Jalen Smith has blitzed in the past. It's something you said you liked. It's something that has looked good. And also, one thing we did mention, you know, with Neville Gallimore still out, you've got to try to find a way to bring pressure from the interior. One thing we did talk about when Gallimore got hurt was – that Lawrence and Gregory, some of those guys on the outside, were going to have to step up and generate pressure from the outside to kind of cover up for some of the deficiencies on the inside. Now you've got some holes in both. So I think that Dan Quinn's going to have to get a little bit creative with the blitzing, maybe bring the safeties. 
from from time to time. You, you're just going to have to mix it up, especially with a young quarterback like Justin Herbert. Even though he looked fantastic year one, you're going to have to try to confuse him because we're, we're not. It's not going to. It's not going to work if you just bring four and expect four to win. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be a a group effort to get the job done. And plus, he's mobile. You know, he's. He's he's not Tom Brady when it comes to running. He can run it. You're so. right. You're right. That's an element he brings that Tom Brady doesn't have. Well, speaking of Tom Brady, let's before we get any further into the Chargers game, let's talk about the results of the Tampa Bay game. One last thing. Let's go get Rondell Carter. <laughs> now, I guarantee you'd rather see him on the field than Golson. I can't argue that at all. I, I don't have anything against Carter. I liked Carter. Well, honestly, like honestly, if you put Demarcus Lawrence on IR, you free up a roster spot. You know, if he signed, who's going to know the defense out there that's available better than him? I mean, yeah, I mean they very well being on Arizona's practice squad, they can they can go get him. And so. I understand probably his frustration and something you and I talked about last week. His frustration with even though he's been there, he's performed. It looks like he's gotten better year two from year one. He just he was stuck behind a log jam defensive line. You want to talk about some some viable snaps and some opportunity to play? I don't think there's a better spot than Dallas for a defensive lineman to try to walk in and fight for some snaps, especially someone that looked good in preseason and someone that knows well, the defense. The question is, would he be willing to? come back I agree so I, for sure that, I mean uh, it, that's really the biggest question but I could see it being a call that's made oh yeah yeah I mean definitely without question because like you said he definitely knows um the defensive scheme because I mean he's been there through whole all of training camp anyway so uh another one we need to talk about is Kamara too I know Carter was your guy over Kamara but He's a viable option at the defensive end position. And he's smaller, but he's quick. So, uh, he's going to be another guy that's going to be stepping in there to play, too. So, But let's jump on to the Tampa Bay game before we get into I could that. see us moving, putting him as like a pass rushing linebacker. Because he weighs like 235 pounds if you watch the episode of Hard Knocks. Yep. It's just going to be hard for him to go up against tackles. But if you can get him free and keep him clean on like a linebacker blitz – like, see, that that's my thing with Kamara and, and one of my arguments against him versus a Carter. Extremely athletic, for sure. But strength is always going to be a problem at that size. I think he's a more natural 3-4 outside linebacker than he is 4-3 defensive end. But you can use him as, like, a pass-rushing linebacker. And I think that, that that's somewhere we could utilize his pass-rush ability. So I'll agree with you there, and it's just I hate seeing the injuries and I hate seeing guys go down, but it's at least intriguing to see what Dan Quinn's going to have to do because this is the NFL. You're playing with professionals. The motto is always going to be next man up. You've got to work with what you've got, and he he's a very talented defensive coordinator. Yeah, I understand the defenses in Atlanta weren't great. But he built something special in Seattle. Now, I understand those teams were mostly healthy during their prime years. But you, it'll be interesting to at least see 
the creativity that hopefully he's going to bring because you're going to have to get creative with this thing to, to make it work this week. And and probably the next couple of weeks, you don't know where Randy Gregory is going to be next week. And obviously we know with what's going on, DeMarcus Lawrence isn't coming back anytime soon. Yeah, I agree with all that. I, but I do think, you know, if I had to pick a defensive coordinator to be in this situation, um, you know, I think Dan Dan Quinn could do a great job at adjusting and making things work the way we want them to. But, you know, only time will tell with that. So, with that being said, let's jump to the past for a second and let's talk about this Tampa Bay game. Yeah, and just for a few minutes, you know, we can talk about the things that um, we saw that we liked, the things that we didn't like. Uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. So, overall, I think they played a great game. Uh, a lot of people were, you know, after the game, a lot of people were talking really bad about Zeke and uh, the fact that he didn't do much in the game. And that's just the opposite. Now, he didn't have one of those uh, – stat field games that, you know, you're going to see. But he blocked really, really well. And, you know, Keller Moore's offensive coordinator, he understood the fact that our um, our run offense was not going to do well against their run defense. So <clears throat> why run Zeke 20 times during the game to average two and a half yards? You're basically wasting the down whether it be first down or second down or whatever. Um, I, th- I think Kellen Moore had a, a really good game plan, and Zeke did his job. It wasn't this week. It just happened not to be to run the ball or even catch the ball out of the backfield. His job was to pick up blitzes, and he did a fantastic job with that. In return, put us in a position to a minute and a half left in the game we had a two-point lead, so or a one-point lead. So, for people bashing Zeke for um, having what I think it was, what, 13 carries or whatever for 20-some yards or 30 yards or whatever. He, I don't even think he had that many carries right off the top of my head, but um, it, it, it's wrongdoing because of the fact that, you know, he played such a great game. It was just a different aspect of the game that he played and, you know, I've seen a lot of chat, a lot of comments from people on uh, Facebook talking about, you know, why you pay $90 million to a running back to block. And my exact response was, why do you pay $100 plus million dollars for a quarterback to hand it off to a running back? It's all part of the game. Sometimes you do it differently. I you know, I'm sure there'll be situations during the season where Dak will get the ball or Zeke will get the ball 30 times a game, and uh, Dak won't throw the ball no more than 25 times during the game. So it it depends on the week and depends on who you're playing against. And I think Kevin Moore had a great game plan going into Thursday night. Kevin Moore came out and said he called 28 or 29 run plays and said that Dak checked out of a lot of them based off what the coverage looked like. There's there's statistics to back this up. Yeah. When Vita Vey is on the field last year, teams averaged 2.5 yards a carry against them. If you do that three times, you're getting seven and a half yards. You need 10 for a first. Exactly. And I understand that's easy math, 
And you're putting yourself behind the chains, too. So. One of the things you and I talked about a lot last week is we need to stay ahead of the chains. We need to stay ahead of the chains. And one thing that we did to counterbalance the fact that we couldn't run the ball, we did run some quick screens with, like, CeeDee Lamb. Mari Cooper had one. I think Cedric Wilson kind of got one late once Gallup got hurt. We were trying to stay ahead of the chains because against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers team, you saw what happened when it got into, like, third and long. One thing I want to say is, like, Vita Vey is really good, and he's had some problems with injuries. But when that dude is on the field, he's like the Incredible Hulk. Is the only thing I can compare him to. He's agile. He's strong. I mean, you sent me a clip of him versus Tyron Smith, and I thought Tyron Smith had a fantastic game week one. The few rushing plays we had that were successful went to the left side. You sent me a you sent me a clip and, and we talked about it during the game just to see how dominant Vita Bay was. He pushed Tyron Smith and Tyron Smith. I mean, he's about as strong as you get in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, he's built like he's built like pretty much. I mean, he's pretty much a tree. When he plants, you're not moving him. And Vita Bay pushed him in the backfield. He's not a player that you can sing that you can block one on one, and and that was a probably a mistake on us. There was Tyron Smith against him one on one, but but you couldn't doubt it either. So. For, yeah, for sure. But against a team that's that good, I'll talk about some. I know one performance last year. I think Kamara had like twelve rushes for sixteen yards against them. I know. Christian McCaffrey had 19 for, I think, like 51 last year against them. Feels right. They're just a hard team to run on. They're, that front seven is fantastic. So you you trust a quarterback like Dak that you're paying, you know, $40 million to a year to make the checks and to put the offense in the best chance to succeed. And there were times where linebackers ran free. And had Zeke not made that play, Dak would be in much worse shape today if Zeke didn't play the way he played on Thursday night. Oh, yeah, without question. I mean, there were so many plays where linebacker had a head of steam, and Zeke would jump in at the last second and catch that block, and he would put that linebacker on his butt. I seen a couple plays where, you know, he didn't put White on his butt, but he stopped him in his tracks, and – for those of you that have watched Devin White play, that doesn't happen very often. So, you know, kudos to Zeke. You know, like I said, they're, he had going a great game. To, they're going to be matchups where the running game works. This just wasn't a favorable start to us. Next week, and, and this is just one statement I'll make about next week is. We're going up against Joey Bosa. We've talked about the injuries to Lyle Collins. The reports come out. Zach Martin's going to stay at the right guard. Tara Steele is going to start at right tackle. Joey Bosa's probably going to be blitzing off that side a lot. You're going to put him in opportunities to succeed. So when your options are Smith on one side, Steele on the other, you're going to shade him towards Steele. This is going to be a game where we should have better opportunities to run the ball. Yeah. And one great way to slow down the pass rush when your offensive line is struggling is try to run the ball. 
they're not their pass their run defense isn't nearly as dominant as Tampa Bay's. Just nope. to kind of look forward to next week as we go back to week one. Dak looked great. Dak got the ball out quick. Yeah. Dak threw some shots downfield. I was I was I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was like I was a little skeptical because he didn't have he hasn't had no reps since October of last year. And uh he answered everything plus. I believe last week I said something like if Dak throws forty seven times, then we've lost the game and we don't even need to look. Unfortunately I was right. He threw fifty seven passes. Yeah, he almost completed forty seven. Like, and we was, lost, so. but the formula was there for us to win that game. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and the only formula we didn't have at the end of the game was stopping Brady with a minute and a half, and not many people got that formula. Well, red so, zone wasn't great. Well, the red zone, I mean, the red zone offense was not great, obviously, because they turned into – one of the reasons why we lost the game and the fact that we missed field goals. So, field goals and red zone offense, they tie in together because, obviously, if you're not scoring touchdowns, you're kicking field goals. And, and me and you have talked about it. You know, Kellen, that's been Kellen's more, Kellen Moore's thing since being in the league. He's just – he hasn't figured out that red zone offense. He's great in between the numbers – you know, between the 20s, but once he gets inside the 20 on that shortened field, he just hasn't put it together enough to be consistent about it. And um, that's something that's going to need to be fixed ASAP because over the last couple of years, you know it, and all the Cowboy fans know how many close games we lost because we can't get the ball in the end zone. Is that the- was something else we said last week. We said – when you get in opportunities against Tampa Bay, you've got to walk away with seven, not with three. The one one thing that's very disappointing about last week, we generated four turnovers. In a game in which we would say that completed 70-some percent of his passes, Dak threw for this many yards, Dak threw this many touchdowns, he took this few sacks, and we logged this many turnovers. It, just if you get those numbers, and we won the turnover battle plus blank. We won the penalty battle. They create, they they had more penalties than us. They had more penalty yards than us. If we were to present all of those statements in one big blanket without anything, I guarantee you would say to me, we pulled it off. We pulled the upset. We shocked the world. But, and I know what you're about to say, first team to, to generate four turnovers, and I'll let you give that here in a minute. But that's the depressing thing about last week's game is we won all the battles that we said that we needed, that we thought we would need to win to pull off this shocker, and we still lost. Yeah, and to be exact on – Everything you were just talking about, the Cowboys, I'm just going to read a few lines here, are the first team since 96, and that was the St. Louis Rams, to put up 450 yards on offense and have four takeaways on the road and still lose the game. Leave it up to the Cowboys to – 
break these records, records that, that we no don't one want. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was one of those nights where, you know, everything seemed to be clicking exactly the way we had hoped for. And even the one turnover that we had was an interception thrown by Dak. But in his defense, his receiver got both hands on the ball. It slipped through his hands, and it was tipped up in the air. And obviously, a lot of times that's going to end up as an interception. So uh, it's not like he blatantly threw – straight to a defender, and it got picked off like that. So, I mean, they almost had mistake-free as far as turnovers turnovers are football. But the red zone offense was an issue yet again, and Zerline was an issue because of it. And speaking of Zerline, now, you sent me this, and – I didn't realize it. Me and neither one of us realized it at the time. All right, so the last kick of the Cowboys had before Zerline was Kyle Forbath. And he was 10 for 10 on all his attempts in three games. All right. Greg Zerline, since he's come to Dallas, has missed 12 kicks in 17 games. Zerline has missed at least one kick in eight out of those 17 games. And he has missed at least two in a single game three times. So I did not realize that it was that bad until I seen that. And to me, it's a wonder why they haven't made a change yet. Yeah. We've talked about how many games we've kept close. How many games have been competitive? How many single-score games are changed if he makes even 80% of those missed kicks? Well, if you look at the field goal that he missed, and we're not counting the 60-plus. No, you can't hold that against him. But if you count that, we're up four instead of one. So, even though it's still enough time for Brady to go down there and score a touchdown, you're still making them have to score a touchdown. They knew what they had to do. All they had to get down in field goal range, kick a field goal, and suck up as 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 one of the best kickers in the league. So, all you had to do was get him in field goal range, and that's the end of the game. And it was just, a, you know – an unfortunate situation where we missed, you know, field goals and that cost us the game. But like I said, you could also blame it on the red zone offense. But, you know, make one of those field goals. If you make that field goal, we're up by four. And that completely completely changes that last minute and 30 seconds or minute and 24 seconds. So that's just how I feel about it. Well, if I, you make the PAT and then you make the field goal, we're up five. Yeah, I mean, but either so way, just, you got to score. I mean, yeah, yeah, I understand what you're saying. But even if you had a missed – well, even – yeah, I guess you're right. Even if you missed PAT and still made the field goal, you're still four. But still, we left a lot of points on the board, 
in that game. And I know the coaches come out, and Jerry Jones come out and said they have all the confidence in the world in Greg's Herline. But, Seth, you remember Brett Maurer. Yeah. We had all the confidence in the world until he continuously kept missing kicks, and then finally he was gone. If we have another one like this week, and it's another one where a couple field goals are missed or a couple kicks are missed, at some point they're going to look at all the points they're leaving on the board, and you have to think maybe a change. I like Greg Zerline. Well, I was I was happy when we brought him in because he's got a much stronger leg than what Forbath had. But the problem is, is in the NFL, if it's within 40 yards, especially in a place like Tampa Bay or in a dome like Dallas, NFL kickers, those have got to be pretty much automatic. Yeah, I agree with that. The, the thing about the end of the game, to be honest, with, now I don't know this for sure, but Zerline probably saved his job by making that go-ahead field goal. If he had missed that one, or even if he hadn't got that opportunity at the end of the game, me personally, I think he's out the door because that would have been the reason why we lost the game. So I think that that last kick is what sealed it for him for another week. He survives the week two. So, you know, we'll see – how that turns out, you know, we've we've had so many games, especially the last few years, that we've lost because of kick concerns and offensive red zone strategy. So, definitely the red – both of them, they have to be fixed. If we're going to go a deep run in the playoffs, they got to be fixed. Yeah, and, and that's, that's one thing I was about to pivot to because we've talked about the kicking game quite a bit. So let's pivot to the defense. One of the promising things for me was Trayvon Diggs. Trayvon Diggs pretty much traveled with Mike Evans for most of the game. Yep. I think it was in the, uh, in the mid-'80s in which he traveled with Mike Evans. Mike Evans had a very slow game. Yep. Everybody else had a big game, but well, that when that's that's yeah. the point I'm pivoting to yeah. is you can be very happy. Trayvon Diggs is someone we talked about last year. He's someone we talked about this year. How even last year when it was bad, he got back up the next rep and and he was ready to go and he never lost that confidence, even though he went against some of the bigger receivers in the NFL. And quite a few times last year, they got the best of him. This season, starting against a wide receiver one like Mike Evans, a guy that has the record for the most seasons to start consecutive seasons to start his career with a thousand plus yards. I mean, that's kind of the benchmark when you talk about wide receivers. They say, Oh, will he get a thousand yards? And that's kind of just where you start. That's one of the starting points to be a quote unquote good wide receiver in the NFL. He's had a thousand yards every year to start his career. So that's a good benchmark to to say that he qualifies as a very, very good wide receiver. So for him to travel with Mike Evans and as good as Tom Brady played, throwing for just under 400 yards, I checked he's third in the NFL in passing. Number one is Derek Carr and, and his performance last night against the Baltimore Ravens. Dak, of course, is two, and then number three is Tom Brady. 
so for Brady to have 397 yards and Mike Evans to have had as quiet a game as he had, that's very Im- impressive and a, a very promising thing for Trayvon Diggs. Now I'm going to go and pivot to <laughs> I know where you're every going. other corner. Granted, Jordan Lewis made a play, made a pick. He had he he showed more playmaking ability than Brown for sure. It was the outside corner for most of the game. So we'll we'll see with Jordan Lewis. He had the pick. He had to return right at halftime. Granted, it was on a Hail Mary, but he still made the play, so that's still promising. We'll see. You know, I liked Kennedy. We'll see if he mixes in a little more or if maybe Lewis's performance from this week kind of keeps the job warm, that playmaking ability for now. Anthony Brown really struggled. Yeah, he struggled, especially in the first half. Um, I think he did better the second half, and I think that's from adjustments from Quinn. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. He he definitely did struggle. And, you know, we're going to have him for at least a couple more weeks starting on the outside because Joseph is going to be out for the first three weeks of the season. So, I think when Joseph gets back um, – and I don't think it's going to be right away, but maybe two or three weeks, six, maybe week six or so, five or six, that maybe Joseph overtakes. Did you mention Nation Wright missing practice today? It was I, all I, I could not, see I was not. all I could see was personal. I but Nation Wright did miss practice today, and that's a player that we took in the third round. That but it's not injury related. It, it's just it just personal. says personal. Okay, so we'll see. Because he looked good in the preseason, yeah, and 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 you hope that he's pushing for some reps and and he's at least competing with Brown for that number two job. You at least want to see some competition there. Well, I definitely think there's a competition there between the three because I don't think Joseph's out of it by any means. You know, he was hurt a lot in training camp, and that kind of put him behind a little bit. But uh, by week five, week six, you know, it's very good. Very good chance that we could see Joseph starting on that other side or even right. Um, you know, I'll, I've always, you know, went to bat for Brown because I've always thought he's a good corner. He's not great at anything, but he can get you through the tough situations if need be. So, But the problem is, and this is something I've talked about with him. His athleticism. I know his athleticism and then also – when he plays the tougher matchups, it doesn't end well. So he's never been able to take his game to the next level and kind of rise to the competition. Against inferior wide receivers, he'll gobble them up all day. But well, maybe when we play the Tyler Lockett, when we play the Chris Godwins from, you know, Tyler Lockett was a player that had a huge game against us last year. And Diggs went against DK Metcalf quite a bit. So, Lockett's just one that jumps out to me. When you play a Chris Godwin from last week, when you play an Antonio Brown from last week, when you play the tougher matchups, Brown has struggled. So that's I like Brown. It's something we've talked about. He's versatile. He can go inside. He can go outside. But I've always said there's a ceiling with him. Yeah. And the ceiling with him is he's never played up to that that next level of competition where you hope 
a Nation Wright. You hope a Kelvin Joseph can ascend to that. Well, you look at uh, Wright and the preseason that he had. You know, he played great through the whole preseason. Uh, Joseph looked decent for the time that he played. Um, maybe the biggest factor of Brown starting is the fact that we had Tom Brady week one. And, you know, for a rookie to come in and do his job against Tom Brady, that's... But week two doesn't get any easier. No, but he's still not Tom Brady. I'm actually curious to see if Diggs travels with Keenan Allen. He very well could. But the big play wide receiver for the Chargers isn't Keenan Allen. It's Mike Williams. The the yeah, bigger, more physical, more athletic wide receiver, most of the ones we've played against, at, at least in the last year, have been covered by Diggs. Allen wins with great technique, wins with fantastic route running, wins with fantastic... The fact that he doesn't drop anything, that's how Keenan Allen wins. If you put... Anthony Brown up against the Mike Williams, that athleticism can catch up to Anthony Brown. Well, quick. I think they probably give Brown a lot of help on that side, and then Diggs plays a lot of man. I mean, the best on rec- Allen. the best receiver for the Chargers one hundred percent Keen Allen. I'm not saying that. Yeah. So, oh, if yeah, the, I understand so what you're if the if the plan is for Diggs to travel with whoever we think is the wide receiver one, then for sure it's Keenan Allen. But you could argue on Tampa Bay that Chris Godwin is as much a wide receiver one as is Mike Evans. So maybe the profile is the bigger, more athletic. It, and not that Chris Godwin isn't athletic. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying the bigger wide receiver has typically been who Trayvon Diggs has matched up against. So that's one thing I'm watching for next week is yeah. to see, one, does Diggs travel? And two, do we go – Do is it, is it a formula of whoever the wide receiver one is, that's where Diggs goes if he travels? Or is it the profile of the bigger athletic wide receiver, that's just kind of who Diggs is going gonna, is gonna to match up with? That's something I'm going to watch personally in week two and something that I'm I'm intrigued to see because this is week two of this defense. We we haven't seen a lot, and we didn't get to see a lot. You know, obviously during the preseason, we pulled our starters. We, we played our secondary quite a bit, but it's just something I'm really interested to see next week. Yeah, I, you know, the one thing that had me excited about the fact that Diggs was following Evans for a lot of portion of the game is – you know, that's something we haven't had in a long time. We haven't had a corner that we could trust. I mean, even when Byron Jones was there, he didn't follow. You know, he stuck to his side, and that was it. Um, truth be told, even when Dan Quinn was the defensive coordinator for Seattle, Sherman didn't follow all the time. No, he was on one side, and uh, Browner was on the other. Exactly. So, you know, I was, I was intrigued and excited by that because – um, we haven't had a true number one corner in so long, and you know I'm I'm looking forward to see if he continues to do that. Well, I think Byron Jones was a number one corner for us. 
but like you said, he didn't travel. But then again, he didn't play in the Dan Quinn defense. So, just well, I I I classify a, a true number one as somebody who goes against the best. Uh, they follow the best the whole game. Um, and Diggs is the closest thing we've had to that. Oh, oh yeah, I can so, agree with that one hundred percent. Um, you know, I was pretty intrigued and excited about that. So. You know, that's just one thing I wanted to put out there. So, but we'll we'll see if that trend continues to happen. That might have just been the game plan for this week. You, you just don't know. So, and that's something we'll just have to see from week to week. The linebacker play, and, and we talked about the defensive line play, and it's going to be tough to kind of talk about the D line play. The D line struggle. We we didn't get home. We held the running game in check, which was very nice, but we allowed Brady to just. Hang out Man, in the pocket all day. The run defense way better than last year. Yeah. I was not expecting the run defense to be that good. We were next to last in the NFL in run defense. It, it could only go up. Now, granted, that could have been this past week. But, man, I mean, the run defense was way better. Um, and you did mention the linebacking core, and I wanted to – Bring it up. Um, Cowboys had 65 defensive snaps. Now, last year, our starters were Jalen Smith and LVE. Here's the snap chair for this past week. Now, granted, this could be scheme-related. Parsons... Our first-round pick played 51 of those 65 snaps. Neal played 50 of those snaps. Jalen Smith, 16. LVE, 14. And, of course, Jabril Cox didn't have any. But that's huge. Like, that's – you know, I was expecting more, like, 50-50 type deal, you know – I wasn't expecting that much a big drastic change like that. But, yeah, it's very clear that week one, the favorite starters were Parson and Neal, without question. Well, Dan Quinn came out and said it at the end of training camp, said that the nickel linebackers were Parsons and Neal. Yeah, they played a lot of nickel. We. They had, had to. to. Yeah, you had, had to. to. You so. got Antonio Brown and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin out on every single snap. I mean, you can't take the. I don't even think. I don't even know if Tampa Bay rosters a fullback because why would you? And now they played some two tight end. They they played some uh, twelve personnel. They brought in OJ Howard and I saw some Cameron Braid out there as well. As long for the wide receivers to get take, take get a breath. That's about it. Yeah, but did <laughs> but. the. You, for the most part, if you're pulling Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, or Chris Godwin off the field. Like you said, it's to catch a breath. Maybe it's third and short, and, and you're bringing an extra body as a blocker. They ran that play on the goal line for us where we ran cover zero. That was a two-tight end look, and Gronk got a touchdown. But Demarcus Lawrence probably shouldn't be dropping back in coverage to guard a Gronk, but linebacker bit on the fake. D-Law tried to get out there and do what he could to make a play, and it, it didn't work. No, it did not. So... Um, we'll we'll see. 
week two, I, I like Jared Cook. I'm not sure he's as good as Gronk is still. I mean, it's it's easy to say that Gronk's still really good. I mean, he's him and Brady have been together their entire career. Well, as, Brady, as never... Brady can pretty much put a blindfold on and throw him the ball because they're so in sync. It'll be interesting to see what we do next week against the Jared Cook. Does Neal still get the run? Is he still the primary defender against the tight end? Or do we start mixing? Because if we start showing it back-to-back weeks and it's Neil and it's Parsons out on 80-some percent of the snaps and it's Neal out on 80-some percent of the snaps, then it becomes a thing. Yeah. And then it's just it is what it is. And that spells trouble for Jalen Smith that you're paying him a lot of money to well, play. I mean, that spells trouble for LBE. Well, he LBE, did not pick his option up either. Well, LBE so. didn't get his option picked up, so he's moving towards free agency. If if Jabril Cox continues to ascend and has another offseason like he did last year, I think he moves into the starting lineup anyway. But you've got to worry about Jalen Smith if this is what the snap share is going to look like. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that 100%. If, if he's not being used, then obviously, of course, you don't have anything to lose to keep him this year. So you keep him this year, and then you look at cutting him or trying to trade him in the offseason next year. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if if, if that was just uh, week one scheme because – You've said it. The Chargers don't have the firepower that Tampa Bay has. You know, they got their number one, their number two, and then they got a tight end that is not Gronk. And then they got Eckler. Well, they're but third, they don't have a third wide their receiver. Their third best receiving option is a rookie. Is No, their third best receiving option, period. It's probably either Mike Williams or Austin Eckler, just in whatever pecking order you want of two and three. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I like Josh Palmer a lot. I own him in a lot of my fantasy leagues. I, I was picking him up everywhere I could. But he's a third-round rookie. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was saying. So, you know, it's not the same caliber offense as it was last week. So, like you said, it's going to be – it remains to be seen if it's going to be a thing or not. And we've also had, I mean, just this is another thing. We've had a few extra days. We played Thursday. They played Sunday. So we had Friday. We had Saturday. But it is an away game. We're going to L.A. Yeah. Starting off two weeks in a row on the road. Uh, You know, I'm even with starting steel at right tackle and Boza, Almost guaranteed to play the whole game on that side. Uh, you know, I think they'll find ways to uh, chip him. You know, with a tight end. I just think you play more twelve personnel. If well, you if you lose Michael Gallup, and for sure Cedric Wilson will see snaps. You run more twelve personnel, or you don't line up both tight ends in line. You put Schultz in line because he's the better of the two blockers. He's not he's not a, a world-class blocker, but he's the better of the two. And you put Blake Jarwin in the slot. One of the reasons we paid him the extension and one of the reasons why he got the money is because he made some plays out of the slot when Jason Witten was still there and doing more of the dirty work in the trenches. 
you can put Blake Jarwin in the slot and try to create a mismatch there. Oh, yeah, I agree with that 100%. But, you know, my thing was, you know, the offense, even with the the Lil Collins deal, I'm not worried about the offense performing. Um, I think this game is going to depend on our defense, especially, you know, with the new news we just got about Lawrence being out. Um, and I just read a minute ago that he's looking at, and it's not confirmed, but um, sources have said he's looking at six to eight weeks. So <clears throat> that is obviously a big blow. But with him and Gregory out, we're just going to have to see what Dan Quinn cooks up to make, you know, to get some pressure because – any quarterback can be successful in this league if they have time. Plain and simple. So uh the offense I'm not really worried about, you know, other than the red zone offense and obviously the kicking, which was an issue against Tampa Bay. But other than that, defense is my biggest concern. Well, I mean, just to go back and kind of talk about the Tampa Bay game and I'll I'll pivot this into the Chargers game because we've gone on quite a bit about week one. Amari Cooper and, and CeeDee Lamb looked really, really good. For as much hate as Amari Cooper's gotten, and I can't figure out why he's gotten it, his stat line average with Dak is like almost 1,400 yards a season. It's it's like upper 12s or low 13s. I mean, when he's in the game with Dak, and even when Dak was hurt last year, the best receiver, the one guy that didn't really get hurt as much, was Amari Cooper, well, as far as statistics. Now, a lot of people don't realize it. I don't know if you realize it or not, but Amari Cooper and Dak have not had a full season together since they've been together. Mm-hmm. You know, the first year, you know, he was, what, week three, with week three, week four when he come in on the trade. And then Amari was Coop, Amari Cooper was hurt, missed a couple games. So it's been, you know – 13, 14 games, but it's not been a full 16, 17 game season since they've been together. So, and you're right. I mean, <laughs> Amari Cooper, in my mind, is the best route runner in the game. Now, there He's are guys. Easily there. top five. I agree. There I are agree. guys there um, that could arguably be the best as people can make arguments for. Um, but yeah, he is very underrated, and uh, you know a lot of people question his, you know, motivation and you know stuff last year. Well, it was really the year before, but I, I, in his efforts, I feel like he's answered those. And I also think he's grown a lot for a player that's been in the league six years, seven years, something like that. Yeah, I, he was one of the youngest players in the league when he came into the game. He's really, really grown. If you watched Hard Knocks, there were times where him and Lamb would just be off on the sides. And he was showing Lamb kind of what he does to break down corners. And when he's running option routes, how he makes a decision, well, when he turns his hip this way, I know I've got him inside. Or when he turns his hip this way, I know I've got him outside. And and Dak and I and, – and, him and Dak have worked up that chemistry to where when Dak sees where the hip goes for the corner, he knows where Cooper's going. That's all trust, and yeah. that's all instinct. And 
a lot of those, he's throwing it as Cooper's breaking. So you have to know what your guy's going to do when he does that. If he's teaching that to Lamb and he's one of the best uh, route runners in the game, if you're teaching that to the guy with you, C.D. Lamb, and, and, you know, for as great a game as as Amari Cooper had, C.D. Lamb had a really strong game. He had a couple drops early. That was unfortunate. He He didn't put his head down. He didn't get down on himself. And he came back and he had a really strong game. And he was the receiver Dak was throwing to when it slipped through his hands and the interception happened. Yeah, that's so, what I mean. He had see. that, and then there was the one we were driving, and it was like second and ten, second and nine, something like that. Yeah, early and, in and the game. Yeah. That was the first drive of the game. That Correct. that was because me and you was going back and forth about it. that was huge. You know, we stopped them, and then we're going down the field and driving, and that killed the drive. Correct, because he ran a comeback route, and he had room to run. Yeah. He was probably going to catch that and turn the field. I, I don't think he would have busted one, but that's at least you a first down. You never know with him, though. That's at least a first down, and and he's got the moves to make a guy miss. So you're right. That eight-yard play, which is where it stood when he dropped the ball, could have easily turned into 12, 15, 20-plus. Yeah. So you're, you're right, but he didn't get down on himself. He didn't lose confidence. And from there, he just got better and better and better and better. And you can see why we took him where we took him and when, even though we thought our wide receiver core was already pretty strong. Because C.D. Lamb, he's just he's a different guy. Oh, yeah. He's going to be in that upper echelon sooner than later. Yeah, yeah, I agree 100%. Um, the tight ends, just to speak, tight ends looked okay. Jarwin ran some routes. Schultz was in blocking. I still, man, I like Schultz and that Jason Wynn-Light role. Catches them little slip-out passes get seven, eight yards, just enough to get the first or whatever, keep the chain moving. With the playmakers we have on the outside, even now with Gallup out, it, it, it's great having a Schultz who's just going to catch the ball and he's just going to get it upfield and just move the chains. I think with Gallup going down, it opens up, obviously, more pass opportunities for Zeke and Pollard. But I could see Schultz and Jarwin both picking up some of those looks. And Schultz had a pretty decent game. He had five or six catches and moved the chains a few times. I mean, with Lamb having as big a game as he had and Cooper having as big a game as he had, that's the best thing you can ask out of Schultz. Yeah. At least from a receiving perspective. Yeah. I mean, I agree with everything you just said. Uh, Yeah, Schultz had a a really good game. Um, And Schultz is a phenomenal blocker as well. So, a lot of that, you know, people don't see – but yeah, I mean he does everything Witten did. And he, like you said, he gets just enough for the first and you know, things like that. And that's you need players like that. We're a team that that's what we do. We move the chains. We've we've got some big playmakers. We've got Cooper and we've got Lamb, but but a lot Dak threw fifty seven times. A lot of our drives were eight, nine, ten, and that's that's when we couldn't run the ball. You remember when we ran 10, 12, 13, 14, 15 play drives because we could run the ball. Yeah. We're passing the ball all over the field, and we're still running A-plus drives. We're not we're not a team that's really going to go downfield a whole lot. We'll take our shots for sure, but we're going to move the chain. So having a Schultz that you know can help with that, that's big. Well, I think that's why you know I feel like our defense is going to get um, – 
we haven't been able to start a full unit the whole season. So, and you know, with, and we're going to be out for at least six to eight weeks with Lawrence gone. So, I think this is going to be a talk that we're going to have every single week. The offense is, unless there's some big injury or something, the offense is going to do its thing. Um, I do think it's a drop-off from Gallup to Wilson, clearly. But I still think Wilson can step in there and do his thing. Um, but it's, this is going to be a talk every week for the next eight weeks or so. Is the defense going to be able to hold enough? But the offense is going. The offense is going to do its thing. The offense is going to eat. Is the defense going to stop the other team from eating too? Well, like to kind of get into week two, as we, as we, you know, we need need to move away from week one and kind of get into week two. One thing that I'm going to say is we're going to have to run the ball more efficiently than we did. We we really don't want Dak throwing it 50 times a game every week. So we need to run the ball more efficiently. And another thing is you, you talked about not being able to to rush the passer. Our secondary made some plays last week, a couple picks, uh, a fumble recovery. The the fumble that was knocked out by Demarcus Lawrence was recovered by one of our safeties. The secondary is going to have to make some plays. They're going to have to cover up. The secondary is going to have to ascend quick and make up for the deficiency in the defensive line. Between And and one of the ways we help that is we were talking about the long drives. Our defense did have the chance to get quite a bit of rest against Tampa Bay because we were able to move the ball and because we were running those longer drives. You've got to hope – if we can keep that defense fresh, the playmaking ability, some of the turnovers, maybe that's something that can continue because they're coming out a little more fresh than maybe most defenses because we've got the ability to move the ball, to have longer drives, and be able to sustain them unlike some other teams in the NFL. Well, yeah, I think that's what's going to help us is the fact that the offense is going to be dynamic enough and creative enough to create those long drives, and that's going to help the defense. Um, everybody says um, great offense is the best defense because you're keeping the other offense off the field. So, yeah, I mean, as long as our offense does their job, I don't see where the defense is going to be a big issue. But it's going to be something we're talking about every week. I do want to ask something as as we're kind of pivoting into week two and kind of getting into that. Do you I, – I just right off the top of your head, and maybe I can go if, if, if you're not ready, three big keys to win week two in L.A. Um, well, for me, one key is getting the run going. Um like you just said, if you get the run going, uh, that makes our offense more balanced and harder to defend, obviously. Um, key two, I still think, is going to be in the trenches. Offensive line, defensive line have to do their job. Now, <clears throat> we've been talking about the defensive line um, probably not being able to create much pressure 
Now, Dan Quinn might make the adjustments and, and, you know, find ways to get pressure, like you said, whether it be linebackers or bringing in safeties or whatever the case may be. Um, I still think the pressure game is going to be big and our offensive line is going to be big because we're missing Lil Lil Collins this week. We're going to miss him for the next five weeks as of now. Um, those are probably my two biggest keys. It, getting the, getting the run going and winning the battle in the trenches. All right. I, I've got I'll, – I'll run off my couple. I, one – and it's no one, two, three. These are just kind of three things I think we need to do. One, I, I do think we need to establish run. Even, even Dak said, this isn't a formula to win every week. This is what we had to do to move the ball against this defense. This is what I saw. This is what I read. So th- that's what I called. And and for the most part, it worked. Number two, going on the road in L.A. We're probably going to be underdogs again. They went in. They beat Washington week one, who most people had as their favorite to win the division with that defense, with that running game with Antonio Gibson. Going there, we're probably going to be underdogs again. I think it's going to be another week we're going to have to win the turnover battle and we're going to have to win the penalty battle. We can't afford to give the ball away on offense, and we can't afford to have a drive stalled. We're going to have to win because, time of possession, too. Because we go from second and five to second and 15 because of a holding penalty. Yeah. And then number three, I think the secondary is going to have to make – the secondary is going to have to make some plays, and that's with turnovers or – that's with making life hard for Keenan Allen or Keenan Allen can't have a game like Chris Godwin or have a game like Antonio Brown. We can't keep having these guys go off for 130, 140 every week. If that keeps happening, we're going to have problems. Antonio Brown had 121 to to lead that team. You're going to have to make life hard on some of these receivers. And with the D-line being as bad as it is and you being – I don't want to say being as bad as it is because that's not fair when we haven't seen them. But it being as injury – Questionable. Thank you. There, there's a lot of question marks there. The secondary is going to have to step up. That, that's, that's my next big thing. Justin Herbert trusts his receivers to make plays. He's going to, to give some opportunities to make some plays. There were some back shoulder throws to Mike Williams – there were some throws that were in tight windows to Keenan Allen. If we can make some of those plays where Washington didn't, we can put their offense in kind of a bad – you know, we can put them in a bad spot. And that's kind of the things I think we need to do to win this game. Well, I, my third – I don't mean to interrupt you, but my third – and you brought it up. And um, being on the road, I think our third biggest key – for me anyway, is to be able to weather the storm early. Um, you know, the crowd is going to be very loud, you know, the first the first quarter especially. Um, and it's the same as last week. You can't allow them to go down and score, and then you go three and out on the following drive. Um, I think, you know, we almost did this. We did – you know, we stopped them, Tampa Bay, last week on their first drive. Kind of killed some of the, you know, 
noise, and we was driving down the field, and I could I noticed from the time we started it, because if you remember that first drive, we started inside the five yard line, and we drove all the way to our our red zone. Well, almost to our red zone, and that's when Ceedee Lamb dropped the pass, and that kind of killed. Uh, we ended up having a punt, but that that's going to be huge. Uh, you know, it, whether we get the ball first or the Chargers get the ball first, we can't allow them to score and then us not answer. Uh, I think that's going to be huge because if if we can get down there and score, and Chicago and Chicago, the Chargers can't answer that's going to be huge because that's going that's going to knock the wind out of that place not completely but it's going it's going to be more manageable so i think that's um it's going that's going to be huge well being on the road the crowd's so big and momentum's huge the one thing that we did with tampa bay we never let them gain much momentum that we we didn't respond to exactly answered every time correct So, so that was and that's yeah. something we're going to need to do to continue to do and, and, and to just quiet them up early. I was watching Monday Night Football. I was watching the ESPN2 with, with the Manning brothers. They, yeah. they were doing commentary, which was fantastic. Uh, I hope it's something. I, I don't know if it's going all season. I didn't read enough into it in the off season when they were talking about it. I think it. they're already in for week two. But if, they're talking about if, if this is something they're talking about doing every week, just know where I'm going to be Monday night at, at – when it's Monday Night Football, I'm going to be on ESPN, too, because I really enjoyed it. And one of the things that I think it was Peyton was talking about, and he was talking about quieting fans, and and they talked about crowd noise quite a bit, and, and um, they were talking with Ray Lewis, and, and that's one of the things they were talking about, was keeping crowds out of the game. Either when you're on offense and you're at home and keeping your keeping the crowd quiet, so as the quarterback you can hear everything and make the plays and this and that, and even when you're on defense, making the play to just suck the wind out of the the crowd. You know when you're on the road, yeah, it, to give your to to kind of even out that advantage, and it's 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 pretty crazy. It's something you and I talked about on the podcast, and then it's something that they went very in depth in. And spent a nice little segment on, um, so you know to to add on to what you said, I think that that's something huge. It's going to be so big for us. Momentum is going to be a huge factor in the game, and and the more you can keep the crowd out of it, the more you can keep that playing field even. Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, those are my keys, and I. I, I I know that when we do these, we come and it's fairly cookie cutter. But though that's the recipe for winning football in the NFL, we show we tried the recipe last year of generating of of turning the ball over a lot and having some penalties and and trying to come from three four touchdowns behind. It didn't work. Yeah. So I know that this stuff sounds repetitive. But we try to throw in little differences when things change, like when the D-line takes big hits. Talk about the, the secondary and the linebackers having to make that those extra plays and having to step up because it's tough to ask Terrell Basham to be a Randy Gregory. It's tough to ask an Armstrong to be a Tank Lawrence. So those are things we're going to bring you, in, and, and we're sorry if they sound cookie-cutter, but 
the game of football is already one of the toughest games to play. It's already one of the hardest games to play. And, and so many of the players have come out and said, when they ask, well, you know, how did you deal with this situation? Or how did you deal with this? How, how did you make this work? A lot of them say, we just, we tried to keep things simple. And we just, we tried to get back to the basics. And we just, we tried to go over what works. And, and you know, so some of the stuff we may say, be bringing to you sounds basic, but that's why. Is because the former pros say it. Peyton Manning, for sure, surefire Hall of Famer. One of the best to ever do it. Eli's got a couple Super Bowl rings. Ray Lewis was on there. Ray Lewis has a couple Super Bowl rings. Talking about a Hall of Famer. The argument for Eli Manning in the Hall of Fame is probably going to be one that's has a lot of loud voices on both sides. Yeah. But that's at least a, you've got two players that are Hall of Famers, easy two of the best to ever do it at their position, and a third guy that that you can argue probably both ways. But at the end of the day, you can say he's got two Super Bowl rings and was very successful and had a fantastic career. Talking about keeping things basic, and and that's I just wanted to say that when you hear these things over and over, I know it can get repetitive and it can sound like we're just spewing the same stuff every week. That's kind of what it takes to win in the NFL. I mean, From yeah. someone that's never played a snap of anything football ever at a serious level other than, you know, a little bit in high school. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I wish I had more to add to that. But, like, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, it it's going to sound the same. And, we'll, and, and well, things like, will change depending on – I mean, you never know what's going to happen in the future, what injuries might happen, what – this might happen, that might happen. You just don't know. But as of right now, you know, that's that's the formula that we're running with. So I agree. We want to thank you guys for supporting this podcast and listening every week. And Seth put some stuff up on the page this week. We got some replies back. We started some conversation. That's big for to continue to grow this podcast is, is – bringing the community in on it and, and having bringing in some new faces and bringing in new listeners and, and we're out there promoting as much as we can. And, and Seth sharing with as many Facebook sites as, as we'll let him do so. And I'm out on Twitter trying to, you know, push the message and, and the one thing we can ask you guys to do is, you know, we, the support is huge and, and that's the most important thing. And, and that's, we're super appreciative of that, and we can we can't say thank you enough for that. But if you can tell one friend, and that's that's always going to kind of be our message. If you can tell one friend, that's how this thing grows. Is when it's a small podcast like this, and we're not backed by a big organization, we're not backed by ESPN or Yahoo or anything like that. All it, alone, it 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 grows slow, and that's what it takes. Is just that telling that one friend and. Uh, if you're out there doing that, we even more thank you and even more appreciation than we already try to send out each and every week. Yep, I yeah, I yeah, thank y'all a hundred times over. I mean, it's um, it's it's the little things that count, like you know, just one friend, and you know that makes all the difference in the world. And we'll slowly grow this thing together, and um hopefully have a big time podcast that everybody y'all can still enjoy and 
a bunch of new faces as well. So, with that, Seth, why don't you give me your social media account? It's at Seth Rob eighty five. I'm at underscore Bo six fifteen. We still have the Twitter page. That's at Back Row Cowboys. And like I said, we're going to keep pumping up the Facebook page. It's Back Row Cowboys. And I think that's all we have. Let's go out. Let's get this win in, in week two. And let, let's put some pressure on the Eagles and put the pressure on the Giants and put the pressure on the Redskins that we're coming this year. And, and, and we're we're pushing to win the division title and, and bring bring that back to Dallas. And with that, thanks, everyone. Have a great night. And as always, go Cowboys.